What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Now. All right. Welcome to the Catfish on Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we are going on to episode eight, which is very exciting for us. We're excited to bring you some good content. Uh, I'm Colin Bluen. I'm joined here by Chad Minton, my co-host. Uh, we are missing Rich tonight, but we hope he's doing well. Uh, so, Chad, what's been going on with you, man? I hear you got a story to tell. Yeah, you know, it's always nice to start a uh, start the episode with a humorous story. I've been uh, went up to see some relatives up in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, over the week and was flying back to uh, Nashville to record our episode this evening. And I had some connecting flights. So uh, connected in Charlotte, uh, I'm not going to mention the airline because I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. This is more of a humorous story, but um, I'm in, I'm on the plane flying from uh, Charlotte to Nashville uh, this earlier this evening, actually. And I'm noticing like, and other people who fly a lot probably are like, oh, I'm used to seeing this, but it's got like this cool little screen on the digital screen on the back of every seat. And it's telling you exactly where your plane's at. It's telling you like how much time you got left, almost like a GPS. It's telling you how many feet in the air you currently are. It's telling you what the outside temperature is, all this stuff. So I'm like totally a nerd and like going, scrolling through all these different metrics. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's negative 35 degrees Fahrenheit outside right now. This is crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm t- we're 25,000 feet in the air right now. I'm just like geeking out. Like it's making the, it's making the flight pass by really, really nicely actually. And come to find out we're still like 25,000 feet in the air. And, uh, the uh, little little expected arrival is saying, well, we're going to be landed in Nashville in two minutes. I'm like, are we about to nosedive? Like, we are not going to be in Nashville in two minutes if we're 25. Like, I'm calling I'm calling BS on that. And so I'm like, that, that clock keeps ticking up and up. It's like, now you're estimated arrival. I'm like, these, the, these people are frauds. Like, they've totally let me down. Like, don't stick that arrival time in front of my face. Like, 25,000 feet in the air. And we're like engulfed in fog. So like, like that's like for me, like I'm not a nervous flyer, but the landing part is always the part where sometimes I may, might get a little nervous and we're like engulfed in fog. So I can't see any lights. All I'm looking at is this little screen in front of me that's telling me we're 25,000 feet in the air, but we're, <laughs> we're going to be in Nashville in two minutes on, on the, on the, on the freaking tarmac. And so I'm just like, man, this is like, this is backfired on me. What started off as a cool little screen in front of me is like, freaking me out so that's my uh that's my little airline story but i'm safely in nashville and um we're glad yeah. to have you back glad to have oh, you yeah. back for sure no it, i've been in those flights before too especially because like they have to taxi so and they're doing it in the air and so like i've been on those flights where i'm frustrated because i'm like we're literally circling the place i know i'm supposed to be but we haven't landed yet so i, I totally hear you on that man that is yeah, that's for sure and yeah, especially being that high up, you're like, there's no way we're getting down that fast. And if we are, we got problems. So Exactly. That's kind of was my thought process. But uh, other than that, though, it was, it's nice to be back in Nashville. And it's nice because now the Preds hockey is almost here. Yes, sir. We are literally, literally under a week. It's At this point, the game will be wrapping up next Thursday. So uh, really excited. But I want to kick us off with some World Juniors. Uh, as a lot of people know, especially people that follow our, our personal and our Twitter accounts uh, for Catfish on Ice, uh, at Catfish Ice, we won. We the U.S. got the gold. Uh, and going into the game, I mean, there were there was a lot of talk of the U.S. being underdogs, and they did not. I mean, there were there were times where you saw, okay, Canada has the skill. Like Canada mm-hmm. looks like a very good team that could beat the U.S. But the U.S. Yeah. had the tenacity. I mean, like like Canada, you know, for all their skill and all that they possess in terms of you know the talent that they have, and let's let's not get it twisted. Canada is probably the more talented team. They have, you know, their, their fourth line probably ha- does have first-round draft picks. So, you know, yeah. Canada is a very talented team, but U.S. just played the type of hockey that gets in their way, whether it was poke-checking or just interrupting, clogging up lanes, being tenacious, you know, pushing back on the boards, not getting bullied. Um, and when they were when there were opportunities, they were they took, they took care of them. So, you know, shout-out to the U.S. hockey team. Um, you know, Canada, it's good to nice. It's nice to know when the game's over. We can get back to loving some Tomasino, but 
Uh, no, I mean, it was it was awesome to watch start to finish to see the U.S. Uh, look at that underdog, you know, title and really fight back against it for that win. Were you able to watch the game? Yeah. Oh, it was appointment viewing for me. Um, I was actually in the in my hotel room for the, uh, the gold medal game. And, it, yeah, it was it was appointment viewing for me. Um, I didn't think Team USA was going to necessarily win. But um, just seeing all these people jump on and say, oh, this is not going to even be a game. Like, you're even seeing, like, like some, like, analysts out there calling the final score being, like, 10-1, 9-1. Like, it's going to be over. And I get that because uh, Canada was dominating up until that game. They hadn't had a – had a deficit in the entire tournament. Um, so I understand, but a lot of people underestimated this team, uh, Team USA, and especially that um, that top line pretty much dominated uh, the entire – it pretty much set forth the entire game uh, with uh, Turcotte and some of those other guys. And then let, let's throw some love to Spencer Knight. Yeah. And go. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, the entire game I wanted to, like, you know, get all over the social media airwaves and talk about how awesome he is playing. But I'm like, you're going to jinx him. You're going to jinx him. Just just hold off. This Canadian team can jump on you so quickly. You're leading 1-0 because, uh, you know, USA was leading 1-0 for a while. It's like they can turn this into a 4-1 game. Canada can in a quick hurry. So I'm like, I'm not going to jinx Spencer Knight. But he just kept making these Really difficult saves. We knew Canada was going to come in the second period, you know. Yeah. And he an- handled those onslaughts, and credit to his teammates as well for playing well in front of him. Well, even the, the, the third period was like his – just his finale, especially you're seeing mm-hmm. him on his back still making crazy saves. It reminds me of like some vintage Becca. But like that that third period, they outshot us 15-1. to one. I mean, we got yeah. one shot on goal in that third period. And he had to stand on his head, and our defense had to come through. But guys like Hey York, you know, they also showed up. It, it's – for me, like looking at just like the the prospect aspect of the World Juniors, it's mm-hmm. scary to think that you know Spencer Knight and Levi from Canada, from Team Canada, yeah. are both in the in the Florida system. I mean, they're gonna have some trade capital, I would imagine. But absolutely, that, that's pretty crazy to see. And speaking of our prospects, you know, we got uh, 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 Askarov who was with Russia playing in the uh, bronze medal game. Unfortunately, they did lose that game, but we also have a Finnish prospect on the Finnish team that they lost to. You know, Askarov, I think that he he got really well known for some of his performances on the national stage before. And I don't think it was necessarily due to his play. Uh, the reason Russia didn't do as well as they kind of, I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, I, agree. I mean, you watch it, you watch some of the games and there were some times where he was just kind of left hung out to dry and really, especially the Canada game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and the thing is, he's probably one of the younger people on that team. Like he, he's a, he's a, a young guy that's going to only get better. He's got to get some maturity. He's got to, you know, get some better, we get better at stick handling, which you usually don't have to say about goalies, but the dude dropped his, his stick a lot. <laughs> it was kind of like the running joke of Team Russia. But he, you also see flashes of what makes him good and what makes him such a fun prospect yeah. to watch. He's got that personality for, for – yeah. Yeah. Well, and being named, you know, one of the top three players for Team Russia after the uh, the, the uh, semifinals, that, that speaks volumes of what his team thinks of him. And they, I think they know in a lot of ways that they did not put him in the best of situations, but he did his best with what was in front of him. So you got to respect that. I don't know if you – uh. I don't know if you saw, uh, I think it was when they lost their final game, I guess the bronze medal game. Uh, I saw I saw a picture tweeted out, and I uh, can't remember who tweeted it out, so I apologize uh, for forgetting who tweeted it out. Uh, maybe you can find it, Colin, while I'm uh, talking about it. But uh, they showed a picture of um, Askarov basically standing at the blue line while Finland was celebrating. And he just looks like a statue. Like he didn't want to leave the ice. Like you could see the competitiveness in him. You could see how much he cares. Um, and that's just something you love to see at from a Preds fan point of view. Because you know when your goaltender is um, is kind of like the leader of your team in a lot of ways. And when you see at his young age how much he uh, that game this tournament meant to him. And uh, I really saw it in that picture. So if we can find out, uh, so I can look it up as well. If if you can't find it, I think I just found it here. No, it's. I mean, it's kind of reminds me of the guy from a uh, was uh, University of Cincinnati um, after they lost to uh, Georgia. He waited at their trophy ceremony. It's those kind of guys that get that mentality of they don't want to feel that feeling again, and so they're gonna they're gonna stew in it. And I'm honestly like I'm glad that guy that type of mentality is on our team. You know, I want to see a guy that's gonna come in and. Just be relentless. Yeah. 
I'm gonna add the image in real quick. I mean, just look at that. Look at that stoic, you know, just look of just, you know, there's frustration, but there's pride in his game, and he doesn't. And you know, he doesn't want to feel that feeling again. He wants to be back, you know, back to the back to this stage and, and succeeding on this stage. So you gotta respect it. You gotta, you know. I have nothing but respect for Askarov, especially, like I said, he's young. He's going to grow in the game. He's going to mature. He's only going to get better, and he's already doing things that, you know, some of the, those goaltenders that are already playing in the NHL are doing. So that's, you know, that gives me promise as far as, you know, what his future looks like. I don't – I'm not buying the hype. I've seen some, you know, you know how hockey Twitter can be. Some people saying overrated, overrated. I'm like, no, there's no way. You look at his age. You look at what he's able to do. Uh, you look at the team in front of him. He's only going to get better we've got we've got ourselves a good one i'm really excited to see what how he develops over the next couple of years but he's going to be a solid one for us yes. uh, and, and also also on that team russia uh so on a team russia you've got a uh, afanasiev who mm-hmm. uh ended up uh, scoring a couple goals in the tournament uh played some valuable minutes for that team i thought he had a maybe not not quite as a big of a stage as uh, tomasino and skarov but uh Afanasyev, I think he did a lot of good things for himself in this tournament as well for Russia, even though the overall end result for the team, you know, they didn't come away with the medal. That's got to be disappointing for all of them. I think Afanasyev had overall a pretty decent tournament as well. Yeah, I mean, he played a solid game. I think that, you know, he had some really uh, strong plays, and he, he got, I want to say it's four points, so it wasn't anything to, to you know, to scoff at. He definitely had a, a good, you know, tournament. I think, you know, for him, he's 19 years old, so – he still has some growing up to do as well, but you know it's, it's one of those things where yeah he's he's a you know he had, he had a solid tournament you know I think like I said I think a lot of what happened with Russia what plagued Russia and we don't need to go too in detail to it but I think their defense mm-hmm. just let up a lot of a lot of the time and that was really what led to some breakdowns because they had some offensive weapons like when you watch them play and Afanasyev is is one of them but you can see there's some flashes of offensive brilliance there's some good goaltending and then there's some defensive breakdowns in the middle that kind of just nullify both of those things. And so uh, he, he's a good one. It's, it's, I wasn't actually expecting that much from him. I mean, I was expecting a little bit, but I think he had a solid tournament that almost in a way exceeded my expectations. Am I expecting to make the team, you know, in the next two years? I don't think so. I think he's still a few years out, uh, but he, he's a solid, it's a solid start for him. I think that he does have a place in the team eventually. So that's really, you know, good to see. And someone. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, Colin, uh, the Preds also just loaned a, uh, Afanasyev back to the KHL to CSK Moscow. So uh, we'll get to see him develop more um, over in that league, which is a very competitive league as well. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on um, Afanasyev over in the KHL. And honestly, I think that might be a better development opportunity for him right now, uh, you know, especially because OHL is not playing. I'm yeah. not sure if he's quite there for the AHL just yet. I mean, that, I think mm-hmm. the AHL would have helped him too, but I think the KHL is probably going to be a better competition with the way he's going on. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we had a, you know, uh, Simeon, is it Simeon? Uh, oh my Simeon. gosh. I'm yes, <laughs> thank you. Some of these uh, guys' names get really tough. They do, they do. Uh, he's another 19 year old that was playing with uh, Russia. And we have a very small sample size of him as well, um, even smaller than we do for uh, uh, Afanasyev. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't. Didn't have a bad tournament necessarily, but he still, I mean, he got a few points in, and, and that was really solid to see. But um, I don't think he was nearly on Predators fans' radars as much as the other two yeah. guys from Team Russia. Some of the things I saw from Chistikov, uh, and and you know, and he didn't get a ton of minutes either. But uh, and I didn't catch all of, the, of Russia's games either. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But the some of the flashes I did see of, of Chistikov, especially in the preliminary rounds, uh, in the group stages or whatever. He laid out some really massive big hits. Like yeah. the dude, the dude's got um, the ability to check in the open ice, and so that's that's definitely something you want to build around. Uh, as him, with him being such a a raw prospect and early on in the process, um, he's definitely got a very good uh, mentality when it comes to putting out the hits and playing a physical game, which is what you want from your uh, a young defenseman, and so. That's pretty much all I really saw from him. You know, he didn't make a huge splash or anything like that. But you you can't expect every single player on every single one of these teams who have a lot of talent to just make big splashes. So I think he did some good things, but we also didn't see a ton from him. 
Yeah. Well, I think he's kind of like the indicator of what Russia is about right now, as far as the team goes. Like, they're yeah. big guys, but they're not speed guys. Not, I mean, they're, they have some speed on the team, but it's not prevalent throughout the team. Whereas, like, you look at Team Canada, they've got speed up and down every line. I mean, guys like Tomasino are playing on the fourth line, and we know how, Tom, how fast Tomasino is. And so I think that's where that kind of is their downfall is that they can box some guys out. They can, you know, put some hits on some people. Uh, and it got them into some trouble a little bit in a few games. But when it comes to, you know, the speed of the game, they can't match up with some of these teams, especially once you get to that elite level, like, you know, your Finland, your Canada, your Team USA. Um, you know, granted, they did beat Team USA, but Team USA was kind of having some easing into it, kind of growing pains. That was like the first early game. On. That, yeah. was, that was the opening game. Yeah, so I think once people realize, like, we can outskate these guys, then it, it, you start to see, like, yes, they had firepower, but they had no way of keeping up with some of these teams that are faster than them. That was just the, the reality of it. Um, which, speaking of going talking about Finland, uh, Jusa Parksonen uh, yes. was fantastic. And yes. you look at the roster, you know, from, from like a lot of the prospects to the people, the people that are realistically going to make the Preds roster, you know, we're loaded with wingers, right? Like we've got left wings and right wings out the wazoo. Yeah. Center is kind of that question mark for me. I mean, we've got enough centers to you know be be okay, and some guys that can play you know dual roles, whether it be on the wing or as a center. Um, but Jusa Parksonen as a true center I, is really a prospect that intrigues very me. intriguing he's a very intriguing prospect absolutely and you know 17 or seventh round pick and in 2019 uh but he played with team finland had a really good tournament um he just looks solid he looks like someone that can really hold down a line that can create opportunities he for the people around him oh yeah. dating ability was very impressive yeah absolutely and, and so that was one that was kind of like okay well you know obviously we've been talking about Tomasino a lot and then Askrov just because he's our newest draft pick but mm-hmm. you know Parson I'm like okay let's get him in the camp let's see what he's all about um and you know whether he makes this team or not you know I don't think that's going to be the case I think he's too young at this point maybe maybe get the taxi squad but you know uh, to see him play the way he played I'm excited to see the future for him if, I think if, anything, though, if anything though as a seventh round pick he definitely put himself on some radars you oh know, yeah, like he, he, you can argue that he had a more uh, beneficial tournament than any of the other prospects for the Preds in the tournament. Even though obviously oh, Thomas yeah. Dino was as good as advertised, he didn't let us down at all. And uh, we'll round out our World Juniors with Thomasino. But going back to Parsonen, um, absolutely, I'm glad you brought him up because he deserves a lot of uh, kudos for his uh, strong tournament, and he's definitely all over my radar now. I mean, I'm yeah. definitely going to be tracking him. He plays in the uh, professional leagues out in, uh, in Finland, um, a league that doesn't get a lot of exposure out here in the States unless you just really, really, really follow prospects deeply. But I'm definitely going to be tracking him more now after watching him at the World Juniors. And we know the Predators, we've gotten some really good players out of Finland. As we oh, know, absolutely. So. Definitely. Hey, yeah, he's definitely one of those that's going to be intriguing to watch. The next couple, you know, four, four to five years, I, I see him as one of those next pieces that – if his game continues on that level, that's the hardest thing is like, you know, it has to be consistent. We have to see that level of play consistently, you know, across the board. So long his, NHL. It is, it is. Yeah. And so if he can be consistent and continue to develop the way that we're seeing him develop now, I mean, he could be not just a, not just a player on the team, but you know, a top, a top two line kind of guy. So um, it, it's going to be really intriguing to see, you know, how he develops over the next couple of years uh, versus where the, what the team's needs are and what kind of opportunities he gets to develop. Uh, whether it be through the AHL or through the taxi squad, I don't yeah. think like I, said, I don't think it's gonna be a taxi squad this year. No. Um, but I think we got yeah. a little bit of ways to go for him on that. Yeah, but he's gonna be a fun one. So uh, let's just hope he that made a name for himself. Uh, definitely. Uh, real quick, because uh, we're gonna wrap up the segment with uh, the uh, Philip Tomasino because why not? He's quickly ascended into uh, being the top prospect in the pool. A lot of people argue that Askarov is the top prospect. You kind of see those flip flopped a lot when people rank. Our prospects, but nonetheless, he's definitely firmly a top two prospect in the prospect pool. And um, I think what the World Juniors proved for Tomasino is that he's definitely not a fluke. The big stage and all the pressure that he—I mean, you got to think—he made a such a deep and uh, competitive roster. You know, a lot of people were saying that on any other team in the tournament, Tomasino's either on the top line or the second line. Tomasino. Oh, yeah. Tom Cena was in the bottom six for Canada in this tournament. So that just speaks volumes to how much talent was on the Canadian roster. But, you know, Tom Cena did made the most out of his minutes. He made the mo- I mean, when he was on the ice, he was a big factor. He had a couple shots on net against uh, Team USA 
to get to almost get Canada on the board. And actually, was when I was watching it live, I tweeted it right away. I'm like, Tomasino just about tied this. He had like a quick little wrister. Uh, oh, yeah. That Spencer, was smooth. Spencer Knight made a good pad save, I believe, if I remember correctly. It yeah. came right back to Tomasino, and he got another quick shot in. And he, it either got blocked or Knight stopped that one. I can't remember exactly. But I do know he got he got uh, kind of robbed twice on two quick shots. And I was watching it in real time, and I'm thinking he um, – like we're all going for Team USA as Americans, but, you know, we, we want to see Tom – we're like torn in that moment. Yeah. Because we yeah. want to see Tomasino succeed on that big stage in a gold medal game. And he almost did it. He almost got Cannon on the board. Who knows what kind of momentum would have shifted to Canada if they could have just gotten that first goal and cracked a Spencer Knight. But like I said, Tomasino, uh, a, you know, he had an A-plus tournament as well. And he is, you know, he at the very least, he, you got to put him on the taxi squad to open the season. Oh, yeah, 100%. I agree with you. And I think with Tomasino playing on that fourth line, like I mentioned, that fourth line is still full of first-round picks in the NHL. So the talent level is just off the charts to consider who he had to just be out just to make the team, whereas any other team, he'd probably be like on a top two line um, at the minimum. But, you know, with him, I think that what really spoke, what really, you know, stuck out to me is this game against the U.S., the gold medal game was the first time that Canada was truly down, that truly had a deficit. And, you know, a lot of the Canada lines, all three of the top line, the top three lines, I saw some mistakes. I saw some sloppiness. The, the line that gave me, like, some concern was that fourth line. The first line, obviously, had concern because the level of talent that's on that first line but the fourth line just looked clean. And I think it was because of Tomasino playing the way he played. Um, his line mates just – I saw a refusal to quit, but I saw also an understanding that, like, we can still be in this if we play smart hockey. I saw them playing the smartest hockey of the four lines, I would say, for Team Canada. And so, you know, I think that, it, like I said, and like we like you said earlier too, it speaks to Canada's talent level. But Tomasino, he belongs. I mean, we, we got we to gotta see what he's about. At the very least, I think he's going to have a better development experience on the taxi squad than the AHL. Um, and, and really, realistically, now that we are in a situation where the Admirals aren't pro playing, we're sharing an AHL you know, franchise with the, the Hurricanes, I don't want to see his development be hampered because other guys need playing time. Uh, yeah. And so for me, I'd rather him be on the taxi squad where he's going up against our guys, our top guys every day in practice. And yeah. we can we can you know pepper him a little bit, try to season him, and get him to – you know, to the, what we what we need him to be at in terms of an NHL player, and, and you can find his weaknesses as well. Yeah, it'll give him some time to actually work with some training staff, which I think is really you know important. Not to say you know anything against NHL training staffs, but the NHL training staff, you know, the guy's got to put on some weight. Let's just be real. So like, he's got to bulk up. He's got to bring his sp- speed to the NHL level. He's going to mm-hmm. be with guys that have made that step, and I think that's what he needs is a mentorship to see, you know, what does it take to be that next step, and how do I get there. Yeah. Um, He'll be he'll get that. So I'm really excited about him. I'm really excited about all prospects. But uh, overall, great tournament. Proud of Team USA. Uh, first win was it uh, four years? 2017 our last win. Does that yep. sound right? Yeah. So really awesome stuff to see. But yeah, it's been a it was a fun tournament. It was a good uh, appetizer for what's to come in uh, less than a week. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, I came away very pleased with with our showing at the World Juniors, and then I mean. Uh, hats off to everyone who uh, ran the helped uh, make the tournament happen this year. Um, they did a great job. Uh, NHL Network had outstanding coverage, so props to them. Um, their pregame and postgame shows and their uh, intermission reports were very well done. I thought they did a good job of highlighting the prospects, and you know, because the, the, you know, the, just kind of wrap up this segment. It's a, such a big deal for these young kids to be on this stage, and they had the whole hockey world. Uh, focused on them and I just thought that uh, NHL Network and all those guys did uh, guys and uh, guys and gals who cover uh, for the NHL Network I thought they did a great job of highlighting the prospects and making it about them and uh, you know talking about which team they're affiliated with and talking about their strengths and weaknesses where they were drafted I just thought it was cool that we uh, that they uh, spotlighted all the prospects the way they did yeah, so, we, got, yeah. we got some really good insight. I do have to say, uh, I'm proud of Team USA for proving that the uh, Canadian hockey refs uh, were not biased because clearly if they're biased, we wouldn't have won yeah. that game. And we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have shut them out either. So uh, proud of Team USA for that. But, yeah, it was it was definitely an awesome tournament. Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to go uh, – this is a good, this kind of brings a good segue to uh, our next segment, which is the big news that came out about uh, Luke Coonan finally getting signed. Of course, he was the former captain of Team USA at the World Juniors in 2017. So, uh, perfect segue there. And uh, so, Luke Coonan, you know, 
I've been my patience has been like uh, kind of running dry a little bit on getting this contract done. Um, and you know, he came out and said, uh, uh, you know, if you want to go on uh, the Preds official website, uh, he kind of said uh, in their uh, one of their uh, pieces talking about the signing about how uh, you know he basically leave all the agents to work out all the numbers, the agents, and the GMs. He just wants to play hockey. He's you know he's he thought it would have gotten done a little sooner than it did. But um, he's happy for it to be done, and he's happy to uh, be at camp with the Preds. So all the stuff you would expect to hear from a player. But um, it's definitely good that he's in camp because you didn't want that stretching on any longer. He's a new player to the team, so you need him with his new teammates. And uh, you can't afford uh, to be missing any more time in camp to get that, um, you know, just to get that chemistry. So, yeah, just the raw numbers, two-year deal, $4.6 million is the reported uh, – Number? Do you think that's a good deal, Colin? Do you kind of like those numbers? I do, especially the, the two point three million per year. I think that's a solid, you know, a solid deal for a player of his talents. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of speaking to what you were saying about being in camp and how important that was, and why we were so frustrated. Part of it's like he's only been in the NHL for two years, really, you know, full time. So, yeah, he still needs to to shake off the cobwebs and see. He's never played for a different system other than the Wild, so he's got to learn high system, going learn all that, but. From the money standpoint, I think definitely two point three million per year and the four point six overall is a good deal. For sure, yeah. Um, one of the things I like about Coonan, uh, after uh, watching some of his uh, highlights and kind of like, because you know he's not a player that really stands out for a Preds fan uh, before, like you know before he got traded to us on uh, draft day. You know he's not a household name. He's not someone that Preds fans probably knew a lot about. So I've kind of had to do my own research on him ever since he got uh, traded here. And the big thing I like about Coonan is he's kind of a do-it-all type of player, like a do-it-all type of forward. And you can use him in a lot of different uh, scenarios, including on the power play and on the penalty kill. So that's kind of like where I see most of his value at. He's not going to come in here. I mean, he might. You know, I'm not going to say he can't or it can't happen. But he's most likely not going to come in here and just replace the production of – of uh, a Benino or a Craig Smith right out of the gate, but he can do other things. And, and the one thing I do like is the, his uh, ability to make an impact on special teams. I agree with you. I think part of it's that the book is still out on him too. Like I said, he's 23 years old. That's not that old, you know, in terms of hockey, uh, especially old. playing in the NHL. So, and he's only had two seasons under his belt. And so, and that's been under one system where he hasn't been able to, you know, necessarily produce the level that he probably could be capable of producing. I think this is more of a, a long form move by the, the Preds brass. And I'm curious what the, what the scouts in Minnesota didn't see, because when I look at the tape, there's a lot to like about him. And like you said, he kind of does a lot of good things. And I still see someone that gets from year to year, just the last two years, I saw improvement. And so it's like, he as a, as a player is still growing and still going to be a good contributor, you know, down the road that could be, you know, I could see him on the fourth line, could see him on the third line. Um, could see him on the second line as well. I mean, that's, that's just kind of like, I think that's his ceiling right now for me yeah. is the second line. And I think that the talent's there, the talent's been there and he's got, he's got a new coaching staff. He's got a, honestly, I think he's got a better coaching staff around him because of our assistant coaching hires, especially with their track record, working with young players. Yes. I think this coaching staff is more suited for him to succeed. Yeah. That's a good point. Bringing up the assistant coaches. We got some, uh, some, uh, you know, player first types of coaches in here they can really relate to the players. Um, and so you take a player like Coonan, that could be a perfect, perfect match to put him with a coach uh, like that. So uh, definitely. Uh, so before uh, Grant, before uh, the Preds, you know, got Michael Granlin back, I kind of like had Coonan as a possibility on that second line, just because I didn't see any other strong candidates. But ever since Granlin came in, I don't think you can leave Granlin off the second line after signing him. Uh, at least not initially. So, you know, Coonan's definitely a, a third or fourth line uh, guy, and I think it's interchangeable. You can make an argument for either one. In the end, I think it's all about putting him with the right two players. I don't think it matters where he's on the third or fourth as long as he's with the right players. But he's definitely, for me, one of those types of player players that through really, really strong play, and if he can show something to the coaching staff, he, he's a candidate to move up quickly in the depth chart. You know, by game 10, if he's just really – thriving in his role and, and there's some poor play ahead of him on the depth chart. He's the type of player who can do a lot of different things and you can kind of like move him around in different spots on the lineup. Well, and that's what makes me kind of curious because 
the fact that, you know, I, like you said, Mikhail Granlin kind of deserves that second line spot because he's a veteran, but at the same time, um, this is kind of his like show me contract. And I don't think you bring in a guy like Lou Kunin who he's friends with to, to, you know, or not, yeah. you know, at least familiar with to push him necessarily, but in a sense it might be, I mean, you know, Luke Kunin and him play together on the wild. So they know each other's games, but at the same time, Luke Kunin is a younger player that could potentially be the one that pushes Granlin to improve and to say to Granlin, like there's a guy on our third line. That's some, some upcoming talent that you, that you need to show that you are, you know, belonging to this, this space. I think a lot of our players that we brought in and over the, the summer and the off season have been those guys that are going to be like the show me guys that shoot that, you know, ask you know, our players that we've currently had or also bring in to, to show that they can improve. Um, Barawaki is one of those uh, of just, you know, a guy that's tenacious that, you know, he might not make the, one of the top pairings right away, but, um, he'll be in at least that third pairing conversation. Uh, but I think with Kunin, it puts him in that conversation to say like, if Gremlin struggles, uh, let's say maybe not struggles out of the gate, although it is a little bit troubling since he's had some integration challenges getting in to get to training camp. But yeah. if Gremlin, you know, if Gremlin by week two hasn't figured or by week three, hasn't figured things out. Um, I could see some line salad again. And I mean, unfortunately that's one of the things that I'm a little bit weary of because we know John Hines likes to do that. Uh, but, you know, I think that Kunin uh, being swapped out for Granlin, if Granlin starts struggling and needs some time on the third line to kind of try to get his game right, I, th- I see realistically that could be happening. But, you know, I think I think if you're right to say that Granlin's going to be starting out, you know, on that top line or on that second line, uh, and Kunin on third or fourth. But I, I do think that, like you said, his his ceiling uh, is pretty high, and he could get up there. And it's just going to be it's going to be interesting to see this whole team, you know, push each other and see where. And what way is they push each other throughout the year? I mean, yeah. even with Tolman in, I still don't know. You know, you want to see you want to see Tolman in on one of those top two lines because you want him to be a franchise player for the next five or six years. But we just don't know until we see it. So yeah. it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch, but it's gonna be very interesting. Tolvanen's a huge uh, is a huge wild card for me, just because you know we've been waiting on him to, to you know break through for so long. But to go back to Coonan real quick. Uh, uh, me and uh, Rich Howe in the last episode, our, our other co-host who uh, couldn't make tonight's show, but he'll be back in the next episode. But it, me and him in our last episode uh, went top to bottom in our Preds starting lineup and actually had Coonan on the fourth line, but he wasn't even signed yet. So mm-hmm. now that I can see him in camp, you know, and I can and I can see some things happening, you know, you could change my opinion real quick. Uh, but I did put him on the fourth line uh, in our last episode that uh, uh, we encourage uh, all of our listeners to go back and listen to and let us know what you think about me and Rich's uh, starting lineup uh, predictions that we made. Uh, so, yeah, Coonan, uh, he's he signed. Uh, he, he He's also, with uh, with a two-year deal, he's also kind of playing for that long-term, long-term oh, yeah. deal. You know, he's kind of on that audition as well, even though it's a two-year deal, not like a quick one-year deal. He's still kind of auditioning for that breakthrough long contract, you know, that all these NHL players eventually need to do to prove it to a team. So he's gonna br- he's gonna bring the fire this year for us. I'm really excited to see him do that. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is not a new contract. This is an extension. So really, he hasn't got that to that new contract level. He, he was a restricted free agent. Yeah. He okay. Was a gotcha. Gotcha. Agent. Gotcha. Going into yeah, going into this signing, he was a restricted free agent. And uh, so it was that that's another reason why it was complicated to get the deal done. Probably it was, you know, there was yeah. there were some things, but they got it done. That's what's most important. Uh, he'll definitely uh, be on the I would be shocked if he's not in the starting lineup on the first game. But so, uh, it's just a matter of where you want to stick him. And he's probably third or fourth line. Uh, but, it, yeah, I, your guess I mean, is as good as mine if he's on the third or fourth line, though. And you go back to like the off season, you think about, you know, losing Craig Smith, losing, well, not losing, we cut Kyle Turris, yeah. um, you know, losing bones. You think like, we're thinking like, how are we going to fill out these Colin spots? Blackwell. Yeah. Colin I mean, another one we lost. Got respect. Yeah. Got respect Colin Blackwell, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, how are we going to fill some of these spots, fill some of these holes? Because we felt like our well, our well was kind of, you know, dry. And now that we're actually like getting in the thick of things, we're getting up to the season. It's like, we got some options. Like we have, my, my now my concern has shifted not to who's going to step up and take some of these spots, but is there enough space for them? And is there going to be enough consistency on the team that we don't get into this place where we're playing line salad and, and throwing off the uh, throwing off that consistency and that chemistry uh, for some of these lines? Because we really with a shortened season, it's got to happen fast, and that consistency has to take place and solidify um, pretty quick for us to really be contending. So uh, we just. Uh... 
we just threw some disrespect at one of the players we lost last year that we didn't mention, and he's in camp for a tryout, and that's Yannick Weber. Oh, I think, yes. <laughs> I, think me, I think me and you should both be ashamed of ourselves for running through that list of Benino and Turris, and we didn't even bring up Yannick Weber. And this guy is in camp on a tryout, which is just – when I saw that, that was the – there really wasn't anything surprising about the training camp roster that they put out there. I was like, eh, that's kind of what we expected. It's kind of the – you know, you saw all your prospects in there that they're going to invite. And then – but I saw I saw the little asterisk next to Yannick Weber's name, and I'm like, what, why is he the only one with an asterisk next to his name? And, I, of course, I go to the bottom, like, he's at a, he's on a tryout. I'm like, wow, okay. And what – I mean, hey, who's to say he can't make it? I'm not sitting here saying he's just like an awful player and he, you know, you know, but I just, you know. For me, and I'm going to throw some, I got to throw some shade. I mean, I, I've said some, some mean things about Yannick Weber's game in the past few years. Um, I, this is going to sound mean. My ceiling for him is taxi squad defenseman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just, when he's out there, when he's out there, I just don't feel like, I just don't see him really doing anything. It's like, it's almost like he's just eating up minutes. Like, you know, it's like yeah. he'll occasionally block a shot. He'll occasionally like track the puck in the zone and get it over to the offense. But I mean, I mean other than that, I really don't see much out of him. I 100% agree with you. I think that the, the drop off between the second pairing and the third pairing is, or at least last year, was really steep. I mean, it was just yeah. no no disrespect. Well, we had yeah. some guys that tried to hold it down, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. We're not going to turn this into a Yannick Weber uh, segment, so um, <laughs> please no, please no, please don't ex- exit out of our podcast. This is not a Yannick Weber segment in any way. I just wanted to make sure that I called uh, myself and Colin out about how we didn't bring up uh, Yannick Weber, and so that's all we're going to say about that. But yeah, so uh, Coonan is signed, and that's some good news. So let's get into our you know everyone loves predictions. Preseason predictions gets everyone. It gets everyone's blood boiling. It gets the debate flying around. And, uh, you know, we kind of did something similar to this in one of our first episodes, but it was more of a preseason power ranking. So I wanted to make sure people didn't think that we're, like, repeating something we've already done. And let's say you're binging all of our episodes, which we hope you are if you're uh, a new listener. Uh, You might ask, well, didn't you guys already kind of do this? You did your uh, preseason power rankings. And we did do some preseason power rankings uh, a couple weeks ago, but this is actually going to be just because you uh, do a power, at least for me, when I power rankings and predictions are kind of different, you can be predicting that something's going to end a certain way, but a power ranking, you can say, okay, this is where I put them right now before any games are played. You can do a prediction is this is what I think is going to happen. So I think it's a little bit different. So I just kind of wanted to put that distinction out there. But, uh, you know, all of the uh, networks, uh, you know, of course, were brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And, uh, you know, on the network, uh, every team has uh, their own podcast. And so definitely go to uh, the Hockey Podcast Network's uh, website. And if you have another team you'd like to cheer for with a rooting interest, definitely check out their podcast as well. But all the teams are kind of doing their own uh, predictions. They're even doing other uh, divisions. uh, They're doing other predictions of other divisions. And so uh, we're going to – do other predictions as well, or we'll tweet them out. But we definitely want to do the Central Division, which is now uh, sponsored by Discover. Again, we're not going to go into a deep uh, segment on that, but uh, each of the divisions for this year only are uh, being sponsored, and the Central Division is uh, sponsored by Discover, which, hey, I mean, some people are upset about it, the purists, but I'm like, hey, in these times, these crazy times, I mean, you can't fault them for making money any way they can. So if you keep talking, if it keeps us NHL hockey on our TV screens, then you know I'm not going to get mad about that. But anyway, at least I make money. I will say I'm not going to prom- I'm not going to promote Discover until they send us some merch. But that's just me. There you <laughs> go. All right, absolutely. But hey, it, hey, if the Preds end up being the Discover champs, I'm all for it. I'll buy a T-shirt. Yes. But, uh, all right, Colin. How about you? Um, we're going to do do so since there's eight teams in the division. Let's uh. Let's do four at a time, and how about you give me your top four? Yeah, so my first, my first, uh, my top four are one to being Tampa Bay. I just think that they're they're probably one of the most complete teams, uh, and they've got a lot of talent on that team that's returning. Uh, even places where they lost, it feels like they still made up for it with some of their signings and some of the moves they've made. Um, until you beat the champ, they're still the champ. So they're, they're still my number one. Uh, for number two, and this might surprise some, uh, Carolina Hurricanes. I think that they've got some experience. 
They've got a young team that has really developed over the few, over the last few years. And even you know, even though they didn't make it as far as they made it in 2018, they've just gotten better and better from what I see on the ice in terms of their game and their style of play um, and being a contender. So I, I have them as number two. Number three, I have I went back and forth between this because for me the, the Pred ceiling is three, but I don't realistically think they're gonna finish there. I think that I have Dallas there, but I also think Dallas is capable of some of the the shortcomings that all the Preds also go through in terms of their yeah. roster, in terms of how they play. Yeah. The two teams are very; they share a lot of very similar, uh, like I said, similar shortcomings. And so I went three Dallas uh, and four Nashville just to kind of be as realistic as possible. But I also I could very easily see it being uh, flipped and being Nashville three and Dallas, you know, four, um, especially if Nashville can play up to its potential and these these uh, coaches get this team right where they where they're capable of playing. Gotcha. So we have the same four teams in our top four, but we have a very uh, big – we break apart a little bit. So when we did our power rankings, you know, preseason power rankings, you have to put Tampa Bay at the top of the list. But when it comes to predicting, I think that Carolina is – they're actually my preseason Stanley Cup uh, pick. I respect that. I think I kind of like touched on that and mentioned that as well in that same segment. But uh, so uh, if you're asking me not power rankings and I'm actually doing like a bold prediction, um, I'm just like, I mean, I've been kind of like a believer in this Carolina team going back to last season. Uh, They are just loaded with weapons. Uh, They've got a a very solid defense as well. You know, Dougie Dougie Hamilton's a rising star uh, defenseman. And then, of course, uh, you've got so many goal scorers and snipers and just speedsters. Um, lines one through four um, on the roster. The only nitpick you can have with them is they're not like they don't have that like Vesna contending goaltender necessarily. But I mean, they're going to outscore a lot of teams, even if they have some games where the goaltender lets two or three sloppy ones in. I mean, they're going to win a lot of track meets, and I just think they're going to get better at. And in a shortened fifty-six game season, I think they're going to blow a lot of teams out. Like that's just kind of how I see it going. So they they are my uh, they are my division prediction to win the division. Uh, I like it. I like it. Finishes, but then we don't break apart much after that. I still got Tampa too. I still think they're going to be a really good team. Um, I'd be crazy to say they weren't. That would be the hot take of the entire season if I said that Tampa was going to. I don't have that kind of guts to say that. So um, yeah, Tampa's number two for me. Uh, Dallas is number three, and I put in the Preds at number four. I do think that they are going to narrowly. Uh, grab a playoff spot, and they're gonna uh, run our run our um, run our heartbeats and our heart rates through the uh, through the roof as the fifty six games winds down. It could even come to the last game of the season, for all we know. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I do think they're gonna somehow figure out a way to get the four spot. I think, and a big reason why I think the Preds are gonna make the playoffs again is I think their top line is gonna have a bounce back year. I, you know, with uh, Johansson, I've been beating the drum um, for a while now that Johansson is not what he was last season. I think it was somewhat of a fluke, somewhat of bad luck, somewhat of his own play maybe. Uh, I don't think it was all like, okay, he's not a good player anymore. I just don't see it. I just don't see how that could be the case for Johansson. So I think he's going to be a big proponent and uh, rectifying some of the Preds' problems. But, again, I'm not going to make them like a – a top division contender with Tampa and Carolina either. They're, yeah. they're, they're middle of the road playoff team until they show me something else. And, I agree, and I agree with you. Yeah. And, and Dallas is right there with them. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think Johansson um, is better than what we saw last year. I think that, and there's a lot of factors that were at play last year with the coaching change and going through a new system. Uh, just a lot of things that he was challenged with in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but I think that it's definitely going to be his bounce back at the same time. Part of me like thinks that, you know, our team is only going to go as far as Matt Duchesne goes. Like we commit so much money to him. We need that second line to be rock stars that it's like, is he going to, are we going to get the same Matt Duchesne we got last year? Or are we going to get the one we paid for? Because if we get the one we paid for, I see us at least being four, if not three of the three seed. If we get something similar to last year, I see us being a four, more likely a five, possibly, unfortunately. Yeah, they can miss the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see who steps up. I mean, Johansson's in camp. I, I don't know. We haven't really gotten much detail on Duchesne, what he what's going on with him, uh, why he wasn't in camp initially, and, and what's been going on as far as outside or off the ice. But you know, hopefully he's getting it right and he's ready to to bounce back because he really Johansson has a lot to prove. I think Duchesne has even more, especially with all the money he spent or that was spent on him. And you're also yeah, you're seeing some of these veterans aren't um, in camp right now, uh, but you know. They've still been skating a lot. Yeah. Like Forrester came out and said that he's been skating, skating uh, nonstop. I've heard some. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of guys, uh, veterans across the league, say that they've actually trained more for this season and gotten more reps in skating and whatnot than they would for a normal season in training camp. So, you know, with some of these, I think the training camp is a lot more uh, critical for players like Coonan. Um, and some of these newcomers and these prospects, then I, it doesn't mean the training camp's not important for the veterans, but that's kind of why you might not be seeing some of them out there. Yeah, it's very, I mean, especially looking at just as like completely unrelated, but looking at the, the team chemistry, it's like you got a bunch of young guys and a bunch of dads. <laughs> and so that's one, one yeah. of the cool off-season stories to hear, but hopefully that meshes well and gets them into uh, some good places where they got some good blind chemistry and all that fun stuff. Here's so, another thing about Here's another thing about Dallas too. They they're dealing with some injuries going yeah. into this. Uh, yeah. Sagan Sagan was beat up at the end of last year. Uh, uh, Jamie Ben was beat up. Uh, they're still kind of recovering as well. So you don't know what they're going to look like. They're getting towards the back ends of their career. Dallas is one of those teams where their window is closing quickly, almost like where the Preds were a couple years ago when we were saying the Preds windows uh, sh- shutting quickly. I think it's fair to say that the Preds window is pretty much shut for now, or it's slightly cracked. I'd say slightly uh, cracked, yeah. But I would say that uh, Dallas is kind of where the Preds were a couple years ago. Like, they've still got it. They've still got that that nucleus, but they got to figure it out quick because that window is going to shut on them pretty soon. So that's why I kind of put them in the three spot ahead of um, – narrowly ahead of Nashville. Yeah, well, at least Dallas got rid of their their you know chief goon and Corey Perry. That's <laughs> yeah. Know, we, we can cheer for them a little bit easier now that Corey Perry's not uh, with Dallas. Honestly, though, the, like this national team almost reminds me of the you know the, the 2017 team, 2016-17 team that you know they they got in as an eight seed and then they made a run. Like I feel like this team, we may not see who they truly are until we get to the playoffs. If they can make it in the playoffs. We can see it just looks like a team on paper and with the makeup and the yeah. chemistry of the players, like a team that could, you know, if they can make it in, could make a run and surprise a lot of people because they may not have it figured out until we get to the playoffs. It might be like, you know, March or April by the time they say, okay, now we know who we are. Now we know what works for us. And they start surprising people. And I'm fine with that. If we're, if I'd rather us be the underdog because I hated when we had the microscope on us and we didn't deliver, but you know, if that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah. So let's uh let's so we we just we just unveiled our uh playoff teams because as you know, top four teams make it, top four don't get in. Um give me your uh four uh teams of sadness that don't make the playoffs. <laughs> well so my first one is really yes, sir. Yeah, my first one, my number five. Um this is the team that, like Nashville, could pull off some surprises, and for me, or at least for me, in my mind, uh, and I think it's the Florida Panthers. I think they've got some talent. Um, the way they ended the season last year wasn't you know what, what they wanted, but at the same time, like they showed some improvement as the season went on, and they looked more and more like they could be competitive against some of these, you know, tougher teams, especially in that Eastern Conference. Uh, they really showed some fire, and so I, I could see them, you know, being in that five seed. I could see them pushing possibly even for the four. Really really been some shock, you know, a shocking in that regard. Uh, the next team I have, they could also be in that. I, I have less faith in them. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I, I, when I look at their roster, I'm not really sure if they, they've got some good players and obviously, you know, I love Seth Jones. Sometimes wish he was still with us, but um, you know, they've got some good players, but I don't think that they are. I just don't see it. I don't see them being there. I don't see them being, um, you know, the team that they've been the last few years, whether it's either been, you know, buyers or sellers, and then they, they go all in uh, and they make it to the playoffs. And, you know, they had a great run when they beat Tampa Bay, but I, I just don't see them being contenders the way they were the last couple of years. Uh, and the next step is Chicago. I think Chicago made some improvements, but it doesn't help that one of their best prospects got injured. Uh, you know, the, cap, the, the team captain. Yeah, so that, that's a bummer for them. And 
as much as I hate Chicago, I wish him well. Hope he get, hope he recovers soon. He's still just a kid, just trying to play hockey. I respect that. But um, you know, Chicago has made improvements. I just don't see them, you know, anywhere near contention at all whatsoever. Uh, at least not yet. I mean, granted, they've got you know Kane, but they've also got some injuries too. Uh, they've been battling, and so uh, they're my seven and my seven seed. Uh, and then my eight seed is the lowly Detroit Red Wings. Um, yeah. We're we're still rebuilding. That, that's that's got to be on a T-shirt somewhere in Detroit. Is we're still rebuilding. I just don't see yeah. it. Yeah, they've been rebuilding for a while now. Yeah. Um, we can kind of – uh, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Uh, sometimes when I interact with Red Wings fans, um, I like to tell them, uh, hey, how's our little brothers doing up there in, uh, in uh, snowy Michigan? They don't like that too much. But, uh, yeah, but you know, they deserve it right now. <laughs> it's, all, it, it, it's all in good fun, but it, it does feel nice because it's been that way for a while now where it's – you know, they got all the history over us, obviously, but uh, – but uh, but yeah, so I got I got the Red Wings in that eighth spot as well. But with everything that's going on with Chicago right now, I had to think for a while about putting uh, Detroit at number seven, uh, just because you know Detroit, you know they've they've got some pieces. Uh, they're not going to be able to put it all together, uh, not this quickly, uh, not in this grueling of a schedule. Playing again, playing two game sets against teams like Tampa and you know Dallas and the rest of this division, I just don't see how they're going to be able to uh, keep their head above water. Doesn't mean that I don't think they can't pull an upset or two against some good teams, you know, but I thought about putting them at number seven. I really did, but uh, I kind of came back to uh, reality and put them at number eight, put Chicago at number seven. Uh, I've actually got Columbus. I'm kind of going out of order here. I apologize about that. um, I've actually got a Columbus at number five, which is, uh, you know, Perfect, because Columbus and Nashville opened the season against each other at Bridgestone Arena. And with 56-game schedule, and I know this sounds cliche, but every game's going to mean that much more. And so that two-game set, you better believe it's going to feel like a little opening round playoff series, you know, because everyone misses hockey. The Preds left us uh, heartbroken because we got all of our excitement built up with the qualifiers, and we thought they were looking really good, and they had – they were telling us all the things we want to hear, but how they've got all their struggles fixed. And they kind of ended – they went into the pause on a really hot streak, and then they only gave us four games. And then they were knocked out almost as quick. They didn't even – they weren't even in the tournament for a week. Like a, a calendar week, they were already – it was like it was gone. It was over. It's like, oh, the Preds are playing again. They're on the ice. This is awesome. Nope, they're gone already. So – Especially when we were good against Dallas when, the, when we went those scrimmage yeah. uh, exhibitions. It was so frustrating yeah. to see that. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the emotions were like – our emotions are going to be running high for both the fans and for the players. And uh, that series against Columbus, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. Just because I think – for me, Columbus is going to be right there with Nashville for that four spot. Uh, and then I'm going to put Florida uh, firmly at the sixth spot. Uh, I think they're going to be around as well. I don't think they're going to be like out of the mix necessarily, but I've just, I don't have them quite there with uh, Nashville and with Columbus, but you know, it's going to be that, that middle race there six through four, you know, is going to be, it's going to be tight. And it, it, just like it is in 82 game season, it happens in 82 game seasons every year in the NHL. So imagine now we've shrunk this down to 56 games and you're playing two-game sets, and you're playing back-to-backs, you're playing four games and six nights, it's just going to be grueling, and it's going to be it's going to be a matter of which team can handle that grind the best, or which teams, I should say, can handle those grinds the best. And then, like, like you were saying earlier, Colin, once you get in, anything can happen, just like we've always said. And I do like the fact that um, in this year's playoff setup um, – the division teams play each other in the first round. Am I correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I like what the NHL's done with this little 56 game format. I, I think they've done a pretty good job with it. No, I think that, yeah, the format's excellent. I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see and really, you know, Nashville potentially being at that four spot versus, you know, blue Jackets being at the fifth. Like we've had Columbus's number for the last, you know, for pretty much ever. Now's, yeah. not the time, now's not the time to lose it. That's kind of where I'm at. But yeah. I think the, the Panthers scare me just because we don't know them as well. We've not, you know, played them as much. Graham, we've had um, a little bit of shared history as far as just like the historical nature of hockey, then being the franchises that was expanded right before us. Um, but as far as like playing them, not a lot uh, of historical match matchups against them at all. No, and so you know, with Dallas, 
I, I, I still feel like we can get Dallas. I, I want to believe we can get him. That's maybe that's a fan of me, but I, I feel like Dallas is is they're kind of in that place where they could be they could finish as high as you know, I would say two is the maximum high of, the, of their ceiling. Real, realistically, I've had them at three, but I could also see Dallas stumbling like that. You know, like you said, that that four through six, but even that three possibly could all be up in the air. We just don't know until the puck drops, and you know. A lot of things happen, as we know. We can get some bad puck luck. We can get some you know, things that just don't go our way, but also we can get some things that do. And so it's going to be fun. No, I think the format is going to be fast-paced. It's going to be it's going to feel like playoff hockey right from the jump, uh, you know, and right from the rip. We're going to be really ready to go. So I'm so, excited about it. Just because it was driving me crazy, I pulled it up real quick. The Preds have been here since 98. They've only played the Florida Panthers 32 games, 32 mm-hmm. times. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're 14, thir- 14 wins, 13 losses, uh, three ties because, you know, they were, we had ties there for a little bit, and then two shootout losses. So, I mean, a pretty even history even head-to-head. Yeah. But, yeah, 32 games, that's a crazy low sample size for uh, a team that's been in the league since 1998. So, uh, it's going to make it fun. Yeah. realignment's going to turn out to be a, you know uh, – Happy little accident, I guess you can call it, because no one planned for this. But you work with what you got, and I think they did a good job with this division realignment. And there's going to be some people out there who are going to say, don't change it back. Keep it this way forever. I mean, I like that we're getting to play the Red Wings again. I will say that. Reignite the rivalry. Granted, they might not be good. This little little Eastern Conference blend that we're getting in the division this year has me very, very interested. Or you get to the the people that are kind of new to hockey – and they say Nashville's playing on the West, and it's like, yeah, we yeah. know. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, maybe maybe one day when we'll get back into the Eastern Conference, no, we'll have some different no, no, no more uh, dreaded West Coast road trips that I feel like the Preds never perform well in. Oh, and I'm in the Eastern Time Zone, so when they play those, like they, you know, when the when the tip off is at or the, the puck drop is at 10 p.m. You know, for me, I'm up until like one, one o'clock, two o'clock watching hockey. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. The Preds, there's two things. There's two things I can't stand when it comes to Preds scheduling, and I know they can't help either one of them necessarily, but it's I feel like they always hit that West Coast road trip at the worst possible time. Take, for instance, this past season, they went and played Anaheim and it ended up being Peter Laviolette's uh, last game behind the bench. Yep. And it, it, it's like they just went out there and just – it's like they didn't even show up. It's like they didn't even want to be there. And, yep. and then uh, also, if we could ever make it happen, ban – matinee games on Saturdays for the Preds. Never let them play a matinee game on Saturday ever again because <laughs> they never seem to show up for those. It's like it doesn't matter who they're playing. Uh, it's like they just do, they never perform well in those Saturday afternoon games. But Sundays, we usually do, do all right. And it's yeah, always we'll Sundays, but let's just ban – I think they actually have a, a couple Saturday matinee games. They do. And they, got, they got the usual Sunday matchups with the Wild on NBC Sports, which that's another thing. That's That's my grievance. For how long have we asked for a shots on goal counter? It can't be hard. Yeah. The World Juniors just gave it to us for guys. I, I, I wish they would have got. I wish they would have gotten a little more creative with our opponents on the national stage. But it's it's all three times against the Blackhawks, and I'm like, I mean, that's fine because that gives us the best chance to get the win on the national stage because we're it's playing a rivalry. Yeah, but how do you not set up a matchup uh, like Pred Stars or Preds Lightning? How do you not set up a rematch on national TV of the Winter Classic or? That just that kind of I found that odd that they made it three uh, times against the Blackhawks on national TV. I do too, and it feels weird with us because there's been that conversation of like, you know, the Preds have gotten so many wild players over the last couple of years with trade or free agency signing, and we're not going to see them for the first time, you know, yeah. in a while. So it's like that that feels weird. There's a lot of things that are definitely some pluses and definitely some minuses to the schedule, but I'm still really excited. Like I said, I'm I'm just glad to have little brother back in division to be able to beat up on him uh, mm-hmm. in the form of the Red Wings. Um, who I am calling now our little brother. I don't care if they're older than us, uh, but <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be it's gonna be good to see. I'm and the Florida Panthers one does intrigue me. Even the Hurricanes, like I get that the Hurricanes kind of makes sense from us from a geography standpoint as like a natural rival, but I like a bunch of jerks. I will say like if it wasn't if they weren't in the Preds division, that would be the team I'd want to come out of the division. I, I like the players. I like the the team. I like that the, there we kind of we're kind of kindred spirits in the sense of like there's not it's not traditional hockey. And we own that. And so, you know, for them, they've got their fun traditions. We've got ours. So I, I respect the heck out of that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how we, you know, stack up as we play each other too. So it's going to be fun. Uh, buckle up. Whenever, uh, whenever fans are actually – so I do this thing where I want to I go to every 
NHL arena at some point yeah. and see the Preds play that team. And I haven't gotten very far down my list uh, just yet, but I def uh, Carolina is one of my next uh, uh, just because it's a short drive for me out of Nashville, and uh, I you know that fan base has been growing pretty rapidly yeah. over the last couple of years. That used to be kind of the Carolina used to be kind of uh, one of those teams that people kind of uh, crack jokes about that no one showed up for the games, no matter how good the team was. Yeah. But that's changing. I mean, I can tell you that fan base is very – it's starting to get very loud. I remember uh, a game against the Preds last year, that fan base was uh, – at least through the, through, through the TV, they sounded very loud, very intimidating. So I, I would I would love to go see, check out a game uh, out there. And uh, I think they play in Raleigh, don't they? They do, yeah. Raleigh is a beautiful city. It's growing. I think that's why a lot of the fan base is growing too. But it kind of goes back to that bunch of jerks mentality. That fan base has embraced it. They said that's ours. We're going to own that. And we're proud of that. And so, kind of similar to how we are with our Smashville mentality. But that's why I kind of I respect it more than some of these other other purists. But Raleigh is a great city. And speaking of great cities, I think it's probably a good segue for us to talk a little bit about Nashville and some of our places we love. Yeah. So uh, we don't uh, do this necessarily every episode, but we try to work it in every other episode, and that's kind of like a a Nashville uh, a spotlight of the uh, of the week is kind of what we uh, go with here. And the reason why um, I, I kind of came up with this idea because I'm a Nashville native, and uh, a lot of your Preds fan base, uh, you know, we you know we're called Smashville, and a lot of your Preds fans are uh, also Nashville natives, and they've been following this team since 1998 when it came over here and no one knew even what icing was yet. And they followed this team since then. They've grown, they've learned the sport. And so uh, I always like to throw love back to the national community because the national community has been so good to me and it is home for me. And uh, you know, with everything going on in this crazy world that we find ourselves in, we can't forget about uh, all the hardworking people out there. And so uh, in this episode, I'm, uh, you know, of course, uh, Nashville is known for live music. You can walk uh, down any block and hear some music that sounds great, that appeals to you. You walk in and a lot of times you won't even have to pay a cover charge and you uh, just hear some awesome music. Uh, and so uh, whenever everyone feels safe to go out again and uh, all that returns uh, back to normal, I uh, highly encourage everyone who either lives in Nashville or is, plans on making a trip to Nashville in the future to go check out uh, Alley Taps, which is a smaller uh, bar that had a bar. It's almost like a listening room. And you come in there. Uh, it's a beautiful, gorgeous bar and interior. Uh, the, uh, the staff is awesome. And you've always got some great singer songwriters that go in there. And I mean, you can you can sit very close to the to the stage where the musicians playing. And uh, you can just hear some really good, authentic music. It's kind of breaks you away from that loud, rambunctious Broadway scene. Um, and if you've ever been in Nashville, it's located in Printer's Alley, which is just a couple blocks off of Broadway. So if you go to a, a, a Preds game, then it's a really easy walk for you to go to the game and you can listen to some music before or after. So um, Alley Taps is my is kind of have you ever been to Alley Taps, Colin? Or have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I've not been uh, since then. I've been since then a long time. I've been Pruner's Alley is one of my favorite places, so it's got to be a good place to be. Yeah, Pruner's um, Alley. Oh yeah, go ahead. I remember what was the the British pub, and then um, yeah, uh, Street Street, yeah, and then karaoke bar. What's the name of the karaoke bar? Um, oh, Lonnie's. Yes, Lonnie's. Well, yeah, Lonnie's Western Room. We went there a lot when yeah, I was yeah, undergrad yeah. and going to college. So uh, it's overall, kind of in that area. yeah, and, and it's you know, like you said, it's only a stone's throw away from a. Uh, from Broadway, but especially for good for good live music, it sounds like the natural spot for that. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I kind of I, I, uh, Alley Taps is one of those places where I know some musicians who have uh, who play there regularly, and you know they work really hard for their craft and they play a lot of their original stuff. That's the cool thing about Alley Taps is a lot of their musicians play original stuff, whereas Broadway is more of your covers and your stuff that. Which I'm not taking anything away from the Broadway uh, musicians because they are outstanding as well. But sometimes you want to break away from that uh, crazy scene where you can't hear yourself think and you can't even find your way. Now, obviously, we're talking about this uh, post-COVID and when it's safely to do so. We're not encouraging anyone to go pack into bars right now, so don't miss <laughs> a chance there. But um, but definitely Alley Taps is one of those places where you can sit down, have a good drink, sit down at a table, listen to some really good, authentic music, uh, enjoy yourself, uh greet the staff, all that fun stuff. And then you're, uh, you're really close to, um, to Bridgestone arena and it gives you a different, uh, perspective of Nashville outside of the Broadway perspective. 
So um, Alley Taps, go check them out next time you're in Nashville. And that's going to do it for uh, episode eight. Uh, we're going to see you in the next episode. Uh, and our next episode is going to be right before the season starts uh, coming up next week. So we're going to have plenty to discuss on our next on episode nine. But uh, that's it for episode eight. Uh, please follow at Catfish Ice on Twitter as we uh, always put out uh, clips of our episodes and catch up on past episodes. And we'll also uh, kind of uh, give you some Preds topics that are going on throughout the week between our, in between our episodes. And uh, Colin, anything else you got to say before we uh, wrap up episode eight? Just stay safe, everybody. Get ready for some hockey. We're less than a week away. The countdown begins, and I'm pumped. Absolutely. All right. That's going to be it for the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we will see you uh, next on the next episode. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, an, you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. No, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought like, well, maybe we should wear a Montreal jersey. Then the NHL was like, "Mm, I think you should stay neutral. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, Yeah. you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music.